Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling I need you here. And John Harlow. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Talking in circles, Clayton Cole and John Harlow here with you tonight. We're breaking down the AAA Texas 500 at Texas Motor Speedway. It was Kevin Harvick's 37th career victory and the second of the this, of this season, and it puts an end to the Final Four at Homestead. We'll discuss that, plus a tough day for Hendrick Motorsports. What are their chances to win the championship? Matt Kenseth announced this week that he will not be back in the Cup Series in 2018. What is his legacy in the sport, and what does it mean for NASCAR? Plus, uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series and Kipling Road Truck Series races at Texas this weekend. We'll break that all down as well. And we'll take your phone calls at 917-889-8280. But first, John, it is the AAA Texas 500 at Texas Motor Speedway. Kevin Harvick uh, had a fast car all weekend. You know, but it came, when it came pushed to shove there at the end, chased down a 78 car, a team that has been fo- virtually flawless on the mile and a half tracks all year long, chased them down and passed them for the victory and to win the second race of the season for that team and to get them into Homestead. A, a statement victory for Kevin Harvick this, this today there at Texas Motor Speedway and a very, very, uh, shock, I guess a little bit of a shock to some people um, as far as just that he chased down Shrex to do it and passed them to win. Martin didn't have the greatest car today, but still that was very, very impressive to see the four car do that. Yeah, I think uh, we saw something today we have not seen all season long. I don't remember anybody all year passing Truex on a mile and a half and then running away from him. I mean, Harvick came back from, he was about um, two seconds back whenever he finally got past Denny Hamlin to get into second place. And within 15 laps, got up to Truex and caught him, passed him, and wound up winning by almost three seconds. And, I mean, putting three seconds on Truex in 10 laps, that's something we haven't seen all year. And everybody was pointing toward Phoenix as Kevin Harvick's uh, best shot at getting to Homestead because Harvick has an unbelievable track record at Phoenix. But Harvick said a couple weeks ago on Happy Hours that he was excited about Texas. And even Rodney Childers said they were pointing to Texas. They weren't putting their, all their eggs in the uh, Phoenix basket. They were pointing to Texas. And you listen to Harvick in the post-race show. I mean, he talked a lot about how the struggles were that Stuart Haas Racing had with the switch to, from Chevy to Ford. And it took longer than they anticipated. And Harvick expected to have some bumps in the road, but I don't think they expected to um, not be up front pushing for laps led. Because, I mean, you look at Harvick when he's driving Chevy, he would lead – a thousand fifteen hundred laps a year, but now since they switched to Ford, they didn't lead a bunch of laps except for the race at Atlanta. And they come through this week, and Harvick was excited coming into Texas. He even joked that he said, "I want to win so I can get Eddie Gossage off my butt because I haven't won there." And it was just an impressive run. I mean, they had flawless pit stops. They were in the 11-3, 11-5 second range all day long. He had a fast car. 
And it was just an outstanding performance by Kevin Harvick to come by, get by Truex, which very few people have done on a mile and a half this year, and then pull away from him like he, it was his job. I mean, it wasn't even like he was fate running through traffic the same way Truex was, but he was getting through easily. And it was a great performance by Kevin Harvick, the Stuart Haas Racing number 4. And now they got their ticket punched to Homestead. They can work on that car for two weeks instead of just worrying about trying to get through Phoenix and having that one week to get their car ready. Yeah, and it guarantees Ford into the, into the Final Four, which is something that I'm not sure a lot of people felt was going to happen with the way Kozlowski has run in this chase and the way we, what we've seen from Stuart Haas so far this year. But, you know, like you said, Kevin's come out and said, listen, we got the speed in the mile and a half, so we figure, we're starting to figure some things out here. And he proved that today. I mean, I, what was even more impressive about it was he went on a high side to go to pass Truex. That's what I found impressive was, you know, this is a this was a tough race to watch today at times because it was one lane. Uh, with this repave and the way they reconfigured the racetrack, you know, one and two is 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 basically one lane. It's going to be one lane for a while, if it if it ever gets two lanes at all. Uh, but Harvick went on the high side and made that move um, on Truex because he realized he couldn't pass Truex because Truex wasn't giving up the bottom because who would? So that was a very impressive pass. I think he, he just showed his skill there on how to get around Martin Truex Jr. and he was able to do it, and that was it. Just a everything you wanted to see from that 14, it was very impressive. He's now going to Homestead, and, John, there's no reason why I don't think this team right now, you know, if you told me this on Monday that uh, Kevin Harvick was going to win the championship, I would have said, well, I don't know about that because he's got to outrun Martin Church Jr. on a mile-and-a-half track at Homestead. He hasn't been able to do that all year. Well, he did today, and Homestead's only two weeks away, and he could do it again. So I think this puts Harvick and that four team in a much better position than where they were even on Monday because of the fact that they've proven they can go out and beat the best car and the best team at the track where they're the best at. Now, maybe this 78 team is trying some things here, but that was a very, very impressive win, no doubt about it. I don't think Cole Pern and them are trying something here at Texas because even though they have so many points and they've locked themselves in because of the points that they have, Cole Pern and that team have said they want to win every stage. They want to win qualifying. They want to win every race. I don't think they were trying experimenting anything because in reality, you look at how they've run on the mile and a half. Why in God's name would they try to experiment on something? Everything they've done this year on a mile and a half has been gold. Their finishing position is better than 2.8. They finished worse than third at any mile-and-a-half track if you average it all out. Um, so it was a great race between Harvick and Truex at the end. I mean, Truex led a lot of laps, but Harvick was there. He won the first stage, took second in the second stage, and was right there all day long and made the most of the situation. He got by Hamlin, got through lap traffic a little better than Truex did, and he made the move on the high side, like you said. He talked about it in the post-race show. He said earlier in the race, he ran the high side in three and four a little bit just to see if he could do it because he thought he figured at some point during the race he would have to get by somebody on the high side. And he said he went up there and it stuck. And he, I mean, one of the things he actually said, he said, the more I pushed it, the better it stuck instead of 
letting off and then when you drop the hammer down it sort of fades up on you he said the harder i went into the turn and the harder i drove the better the car stayed on the track and it was an impressive move i think one of the things that you're going to see especially with whenever we talk about where everybody is in points i think the race of the day even though harvick we we're going to talk about him and his beating truex and everything i think the guy who had the race of the day was brad keselowski Cut a tire on the lead on the first lap of the race and brought himself back to a fifth place finish. I mean, he was down at sixth place in points at one point, and now he's got 19 of the good as they go to Phoenix. Yeah, that was a very, very impressive win uh, run for them. I should say from that uh, two car because, like you said, they they fell back because of an incident with Cobbush on the on the initial start of the race. Uh, got a couple of laps behind, worked their way up through the field, did a great job, and never really got that track position to where they could win, but they were very, very strong uh, and got to a point where points-wise they're in good shape, uh, where if somebody wins and they, and they have to get in on their points, they're going to be able to get in on their points, I don't think, without, a, without any issues. So a nice job by Brad Keselowski, absolutely. We'll give you the top ten here quick. Kevin Harvick was your winner. Martin Tricks Jr. was second. Then you had Denny Hamlin, Matt Kenseth, Brad Keselowski, your top five. Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Kurt but, or Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch, and Eric Jones, your top 10. Um, so that was the top 10 there at Texas Motor Speedway this week, today. You know, I thought Kozlowski ran a great race, and I thought Team Penske here on the mile and a half, and, and recently they're starting to find some speed. I thought Logano ran a pretty good race. Blaney was up there kind of competing all day. Even the Fords now, I think we're starting to see them run well. Kurt Busch sat on the pole. He had a little bit of an issue where he had to pit and got behind because of that reason. Ended up finishing in the ninth spot. But nice to see some some speed from Fords and, and changing it up a little bit. Uh, so no doubt about it. But overall, John, you know, who was most impressive? You said Kislowski, it was a very good race for him. No doubt about it. But who was more impressive in the top ten for you uh, that you were kind of looking at going, I didn't expect them to have a great run, but they did. Um, the guy who impressed me the most is Matt Kenseth. I mean, they didn't even take a qualifying lap because of not being able to get through inspection and everything. And because of that, I mean, they started 34th. And he was in the top 10 in the first in the first uh, stage. He was up front all day long. There's a couple times where they took two tires, a couple times they stayed out and made sure they got up there. And as Matt Kenseth said after the race, it's the best mile and a half car he's had all year. You knew Matt Kenseth was there today, and it just shows again, and we'll probably talk about it later from his announcement yesterday, there's a lot of teams making a mistake with who they're putting in their car instead of that guy. Matt Kenseth can still win races. Matt Kenseth can still get you top fives, top tens on a very consistent basis. Matt Kenseth is going to take care of the car. Matt Kenseth is going to make your team better. And there's a lot of teams out there that are screwing the pooch because all it is is sponsorship dollars and who can buy a ride anymore. And we're going to have a Hall of Fame driver walk away, not because he chose to walk away, because, but because there was no, no seats left when musical chairs stopped. Absolutely. And, and definitely we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, but I, a very good run for Kansas. He was in the top five all day long. I thought he ran a good race. Uh, I thought for a second he might be able to win it when he was running second there and chasing down a leader, but he just 
I think they got a little bit off there on on uh, on the handling of the race car. Ended up fourth, not a bad day at all. Denny Hamlin was third, not a bad day at all for him. Uh, but I think the best car today, John, and it was an unfortunate ev- uh, series of events for Kyle Larson. I mean, he, Larson had speed. He was fast in all the practice sessions, led uh, 74 laps today. I thought he was very good. Um, and bang, he hits the wall on lap 282. Ended his day a very, very frustrated Kyle Larson was out of the media, coming out of the infield care center, talking to the media. And it just was a microcosm of the last three weeks. He's had three straight DNFs. Just a really, really tough stretch here for Kyle Larson. And you see the frustration. Now, I was kind of a little hard on him. I said I didn't really like the way his head was at the end of, the, at, at the end of today's race, where he's kind of looking forward to 2018. And when you still have two races where you could potentially win at Phoenix and Homestead, and he kind of is frustrated with this year, but you can understand it. That team's been very fast all year long. He's done a very good job this year. And, you know, he's out He's out of the playoff hunt now, out of the championship hunt. And another tough day for Kyle Larson. Uh, what were your thoughts on his run today? I think in reality, the minute you're knocked out of the chase, you're focused on next year. Uh, Kyle Larson's going to go out there and he's going to run well at Homestead. He's one of the best at running Homestead. And the thing that makes great about Homestead racing, you run the bottom, you run the middle, you run the top groove. And if you can run the top, Kyle Larson's going to be competitive. And I'm looking forward to see how he does at Homestead. But I also think Kyle Larson's smart because they're going to the Camaro next year at Chevy. And he's wanting to make sure that whenever, I mean, they, he, he tasted a little bit of it, of how close he really was to possibly being a championship driver this year. And, he didn't get the full taste. So now he's even more committed to what 2018 is going to be. So I can understand him wanting to put 2017 behind him and get moving to 2018 because they had a great year this year and they know where they need to improve. They know what they need to work on. And he just wants to get started at getting to it because he's had that taste. And a lot of times you have to lose one to win one. And Larson Mm -hmm. lost one this year. He wants his chance to win one next year. No, I understand that completely. Um, but I like to look at it and say, you know, those, teams, those guys are still working very hard for you. Uh, you still have, a, you know, a crew chief and, and a team that's putting out those cars every week. And, uh, you know, I understand the frustration. And I think it's refreshing to see some frustration, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, we, we say these guys are vanilla, vanilla a lot, and, uh, you know, we're starting to see some frustration out of him. And we're starting to see some frustration out of the 48 and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Jimmy was not very his cordial self after the media today. You know, and this round is a Jimmy Johnson round. When you look at the tracks on this schedule, you say Martinsville, Texas, and Phoenix, he's going to win at one of those racetracks. He's going to get himself in the homestead. Well, Martinsville, I thought that team was very, very, uh, struggled very badly at Martinsville last weekend. And today, an absolute disaster. I know he had to pit under caution, under green, excuse me, for a loose wheel, but he can never get his track position back, John. He wasn't very fast, could not drive his way to the field like the normal 48 that we see. A very tough day for Jimmy Johnson in that 48 car, and he's going to have to go into Phoenix next weekend and win if he wants to have a shot at the eight championship here in 2017. Yeah, I was uh, reading Jimmy Johnson's quotes at the end of the race. He said he's uh, they started off in the hole with a loose wheel, and they kept getting dig- digging deeper once they went in. And he said he was desperately disappointed. He f- he feels bad for the team. He says the guys are working so hard 
and to work this hard and not see any speed go back into the car and have bad results the last three weeks have been really disappointing. And like you said, this is the ultimate uh, round for Jimmy Johnson because he's owned Martinsville. He's got more grandfather clocks than anybody with nine of them. He runs really well at Phoenix, and he said um, Phoenix has been a good track, but the last half it's been weird. The places you expect us to run well and traditionally do, we haven't. And he says, I know we're building a better race car and taking new ideas to Phoenix, and they'll go there and fight as hard as they can. And it's one thing that you can never count this team out. But if they don't – I mean, they are so far back. And we've seen nothing since they won at Texas or when they won at Dover in the spring. You've seen nothing out of Johnson to give you any kind of idea that they might be able to do anything. And with Hendrick Motorsports as a whole, the only one who's been any kind of a bright spot has been Chase Elliott. I mean, Junior was 35th, and they burned up a left front hub. And to change the spindle in the hub, why, why bother going back, which he kind of agreed on. So they went back, parked it, and said, thanks for playing. And Casey Kane was crap this week. So, I mean, Hendrick Motorsports, they got a lot of soul searching to do because – they are far from being competitive right now. They are, especially on the mile and a half tracks. You know, I think we saw them be pretty good at Dover, um, and I think on, on the shorter tracks, they're okay. Chase was going to win Martinsville until he had his issue with Denny Hamlin. But on these mile and a half tracks that make up the bread and butter of this sport are the majority of the races we run in NASCAR, they are out to lunch. And it's been a, an, a year-long problem. Now, I think when they get to Camaro and a I think they're going to be very happy with the results of that, what, what they can put in the mile and a half. So they, right now they only got two races to live with it. But I tell you what, they're nowhere near where they need to be. And Chase ran okay today, but he was he basically, his comments weren't very encouraging, saying, yeah, we had a decent car. We had a, a decent finish today with eight, but our car wasn't very good. We kind of got up there because of, of track position and we were good on restarts. But other than that, in the long run, we weren't very good. Casey Kane finished 11th. Not a horrible day for him. We're starting to see a little bit of progress as far as uh, the crew, what the crew chief change has done there, but it's way too little, way too late for that team. You know, he talked about Junior. Junior was a 15th-place car all day long. And then you had Jimmy Johnson, who just could never get back. You know, he was two laps down all race long, could never get his laps back. A very frustrating day from that 48 team. And what's really alarming isn't the fact that they're not, they're not running good. It's the fact that they're kind of scratching their heads. You know, you said that, Jimmy said, hey, we're building faster race cars. I know we're working hard. We're bringing new stuff to the racetrack, and we're still not fast. You know, and I think that's what's scary about this is if you're a Jimmy Johnson fan is you're searching still. You're still not sure what's going on. Now, again, they're going to get a whole new car next year where everything's going to change. So you only got to live with the next two races with the team like this, but still – uh, a very discouraging run today for that 48 team and for Hendrick Motorsports. You know, if somehow Chase – and Chase is going to have to win too, John, and so is Jimmy Johnson. They're going to have to win to get into this to the Final Four there. Uh, if somehow one of them pulls that off, you know, they've got a lot of work to do at Homestead if they want to compete for a championship. Yeah, I don't think uh, either of them – I don't think either of them have a chance to pull it off at Phoenix. And if one of them happened to pull the miracle out and win at Phoenix – the difference between, I mean, you look at Johnson at Kansas, he spun out twice on his own. He was crap today. 
I mean, he had newer tires on than Truex when he was two laps down, and Truex blew by him like it was his job to put him three laps down at one point during the race. I mean, they were just bad all day long, not even close. And, I, I mean, it's one of those things. Like you said, they're scratching their head, and you never see that. Usually Chad Knauss has um, a trick up his sleeve or an answer to almost anything. When Jimmy says, I'm loose, I'm tight, or whatever, Chad has the adjustment ready to go, and there's been no adjustment Chad could make in the last six to eight weeks that have made that 48 car do better. For that team, in this part of the season, very uncharacteristic, and I think it's something that uh, is very alarming, no doubt about it. 917-889-8280, talking in circles. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here with you tonight. And we're discussing Texas Motor Speedway, the AAA Texas 500 this weekend. At Texas Motor Speedway, Kevin Harvick was your winner. Um, as we get going here, there's one race to go until we get to the final race at Homestead. We eliminate four drivers after Phoenix next weekend. So when you look at the points, there's still eight drivers still alive, but barely. Um, you know, we talked about Chase Elliott and Jimmy Johnson. They're way back right now. They're going to have to win to get in to Homestead. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, Mark Trick shooters in via his points. He's locked into Homestead. Kyle Busch is locked into Homestead via his win at Martinsville. Kevin Harvick's locked into Homestead because of today's win at Texas Motor Speedway. That leaves one slot open, John, for Homestead Miami Speedway and five drivers vying for it. Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, and Jimmy Johnson. Um, of those five drivers, John, who do you think has the best chance of advancing in the Homestead? Unless one of the others win, it's going to be tough to beat Keselowski. Unless he has a day like today. I mean, he struggled today. He wound up with a fifth-place finish. But he lost points to Blaney because Blaney scored both stages. Keselowski didn't get his point all day. So Keselowski is going to need to qualify well, keep himself clean, and run toward the front and get points in each of the stages. If he does that, he's going to be locked in unless somebody out of the blue wins. I think Ryan Blaney had a great car today, and Brad Kozlowski even praised Blaney because it was his setup that they put in the car because Kozlowski's been out to lunch a lot on the mile-and-a-half tracks, and Blaney has run well. So, I mean, it's good work for the teammates getting together. I think, in reality, it's going to be either Kozlowski or Ryan Blaney. Phoenix has never been very good at Denny Hamlin. Uh, especially at this time of the year. You looked a few years ago, Denny Hamlin had a real good shot at winning the championship, and they blew it at Phoenix, and then they really blew it at Homestead. So I think it's going to be Ford versus Toyota. I don't think there's going to be a Chevy in it. And I think it's going to be two Fords, two two Toyotas. It's either going to be Keselowski or Blaney. I don't think Hamlin just has it. It has that magic at Phoenix that uh, – Keselowski will be able to run conservatively, but stay toward the front. And I think Blaney's going to go all out and try whatever he can. He's going to go checker or wrecker. And I don't think Johnson or Chase Elliott have the speed to get up there and win. Oh, I, I completely agree. I don't think they got the speed to win at all. But when you look at Denny Hamlin's recent finishes, you know, since Charlotte, he's been lights out. Fourth, sixth, fifth, seventh and third and he was up there in martinsville before he had his issue with chase elliott 
Um, so he's been very consistent. They've had some speed in that 11 car. So, but points don't matter right now. I, I think you're right. I think if anybody's going to advance in on points, it's going to be Kozlowski. So you're going to have to go up there, and you're going to have to win. Um, and I'm not sure they can do that. Now, on the flatter tracks, Hamlin's very good. He's, he runs very well at Loudon. He's good at Pocono. Uh, he, he's a very good flatter track racer. Richmond's a, a flatter racetrack, does very well there. It's his hometown racetrack. Uh, he does very well there. Martinsville, we see him win there as well. So Phoenix is, is a flatter racetrack. It's a different racetrack, no doubt about it, but Hamlin can, can run very well there. Um, but can he pull off the victory? That's the question, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's either going to be Kislowski or Hamlin. I don't think Blaney has what – right now that 21 car has what it takes to uh, get through. I, ho- I would love to see him do it, but I just don't think they have the, the – speed right now or the momentum to get into that. And I don't think Chase or, or Jimmy Johnson do either. Um, I know that the Hendrick Motorsports, we saw the 88 car a year ago at this time, uh, they almost come close to winning this race with Alex Bowman behind the wheel. But that's a year ago, and that's a long time ago now because we just Hendrick just seems off right now. Um, so I think it's either Kozlowski or Hamlin that, that will advance into the Final Four at Homestead Miami Speedway. Um, final thoughts, John, on the racing part here at at Texas Motor Speedway this week uh, and, the, and the Cup Series side of things. Um, I thought it was impressive that Kurt Busch turned just under 201 miles an hour to qualify. And, I mean, that's white-knuckle racing there. To qualify a lap on a mile-and-a-half track at almost 201 miles an hour. I was impressed with the way Harvick made the pass on Truex on the outside and then pulled away to almost three seconds ahead in 10 laps. That means that number four car is ready for Homestead. And I wouldn't be surprised if that number four car wins at Phoenix because Kevin Harvick is the king of Phoenix since they redesigned it. And if Kevin Harvick wins the race, I mean, he said flat out in the uh, post-race show, I'd love to see Brad Keselowski make the final four because it's Ford championship weekend. And he's a, he's a fellow Ford driver. And that way we go head to head with the Toyotas with two Fords. So if Harvick goes out and wins, Keselowski can take the conservative approach and make sure he gets there on points. That'll be two Fords against two Toyotas. Um, the one thing that concerns me when you look at Hendrick Motorsports as we wrap up the race today, but as we look going forward, Hendrick Motorsports right now, you have three veteran drivers in Junior, Casey Kane, and uh, Jimmy Johnson. And they're struggling with veteran drivers who understand how to make changes and tell the crew chiefs what's going on with the car and all that stuff. Look at next year. Chase Elliott in his third year is going to be number two on the totem pole. And you've got rookies, William Byron and Alex Bowman in there. Well, Alex Bowman's not really a rookie, but in, in reality, he's a rookie in competitive equipment. If Hendrick gets off next year, who are they going to have to help them right the ship? It's all going to be on Jimmy's shoulders. And Jimmy drives a race car a lot different than everybody else. He wants a loose car and a lot of others want snug cars. So it's going to be interesting for Hendrick Motorsports going forward. The story of today's race, 
was Kevin Harvick and what he was able to do in those last 25 laps to catch Truex, pass Truex, and pull away from Truex, which is something we haven't seen done on a mile-and-a-half track all year long. No, and I don't, again, I don't think Truex had, for some reason, you know, he said in his post-race comments, we didn't have a good long-run car today. And that's very uncharacteristic of us. That's what he said in, in post-race. I agree. And even in the fastest race car there, I think that belonged to Larson. Um, but still, you're absolutely right. It was a very, very impressive win for Kevin Harvick. I, I didn't think he had was going to have enough to ch- chase him down there, and he did. Um, and it certainly changes the game because, like I said, it's one ra- sure, it's only one race. But you look at it and you say, okay, he's proven now that he can run with Martin Truex Jr. and beat Martin Truex Jr. at a mile-and-a-half track that's impressive, and that is what championship teams can do. So um, I think a lot of people would be annoyed at this format if Harvick went out there and won Homestead and won the championship because Truex has had such an an unbelievable year. Uh, I think people expect Truex to go out there and win the championship, but that four team ain't going down without a fight. you got to give him credit for that, no doubt about it. 917-889-8280, talking in circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here. Other news out of Texas Motor Speedway in the Cup Series this week, John, was Matt Kenseth. Kenseth came out, I believe it was Saturday, and said that he is stepping away from Cup racing in 2018. Um, we kind of knew this was happening. You know, Stuart House Racing is making an announcement next week, that this week, excuse me, coming up, that it sounds like Eric Amarola is going to be driving a 10 car. Um, I think a lot of people were holding out hope that it was going to be Matt Kenseth in that car. That's not the case. Right now, there's not a whole ton, a whole lot of, of competitive rides out there. Um, and Matt Kenseth, at the age of 46, still wants to race. He's still very competitive. He's going to be on the outside looking in next year, John, joining Greg Biffle, Carl Edwards, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, and to name just a few there who have walked away from this sport here in the last two, two or three years. Uh, are you shocked at this, or what are your thoughts on Matt Kenseth? Uh, stepping away from the sport here in 2018. Um, We saw the writing on the wall. Um, And the funny part is, as silly season has uh, gone on, Matt Kenseth has basically said all the rides he's not been offered. I think he sort of held held out hope for the five car whenever they decided Casey Kane wasn't coming back. I mean, he wasn't going to replace Junior. He knew that, but he sort of held out hope for the number five car. And whenever they decided to put William Byron in the car and not Matt Kenseth, he kind of knew the the music was going to stop and everybody had chairs and he was on the outside looking in. The sad part is Matt Kenseth is a cup champion. Matt Kenseth has won races at Joe Gibbs Racing. He's been competitive. He's been lights out at times. I mean, you look his first year at Joe Gibbs Racing, what did he win, eight races that year? And he's only been at Joe Gibbs Racing three years. Um, he's great with equipment. Um, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch both have said flat out that they learned as much about setups with Matt Kenseth in the shop for three years, as they knew from all the years before. Um, So it bothers me that the buy a ride guys continue. I'm sorry. Eric Almirola is an okay driver. 
and he's going to have to show a lot and really good equipment at Stuart Haas Racing. But on his good day, he's not Matt Kenseth on his medium day. Same thing with William Byron. Same thing with, I mean, William Byron's going to be a star in the future. He's not a star right now. Uh, Alex Bowman has a chance of being a good little driver down the road. He isn't a good little driver right now. He's not in Matt Kenseth's league. And the one thing you look at, I mean, Brad Kozlowski took a pay to stay at Penske. And Miller Lite announced that they're only back for 11 races this year instead of uh, the usual 20 that they've been at. So discount tires moving up. So Kozlowski took a pay cut to stay there. Matt Kenseth, I mean, he's 46. He's made a lot of money. He wasn't going to lower what he believes his value is to stay in the sport just to stay in the sport. I applaud him for that, but I also am sad that we're not going to see Matt Kenseth in a race car next year because he is one of the good guys, one of the good drivers, and he's somebody you can build a team around. He's somebody who can make your team better. And he he said, I could, I could get a ride. I mean, he could probably go to uh, Front Row Motorsports and get a ride, or he could probably go to JTG Doherty and get a ride, or he can go to – BK Racing or anybody, I mean, the lower teams and get a ride. But that's not what Matt Kenseth wants. Matt Kenseth has raced competitively. He's raced for championships. He's been in good equipment the entire career, except for the year. I mean, the last couple of years at Roush Fenway where all of their stuff just wasn't that good. But he's won a championship. He's a Hall of Famer. And I don't blame him for not um, – do it. I mean, he's going to be one. You saw Bobby Labonte just hang on in the last few years. I'm glad Matt Kenseth isn't doing that, but I still think Matt Kenseth should be in a top-notch ride. Yeah, it's it's shocking in a way because here's a guy I think who wanted to race, and I thought he was you know earlier in the year before this everything was announced. I thought he was going to try and take over the 88. I thought that was a a move that. Um, I thought it would have benefited both parties. You know, you have a veteran driver who, yeah, Matt Kenneth wasn't going to run for five more years. Maybe he only had two or three left in him, but there were going to be two or three very good years. And I thought, well, maybe they'll they'll buy a year with William Byron and they'll move Matt to the five and then put somebody else in the five when they get ready to do that. Um, but they didn't do that. They decided to go with Alex Bowman and they decided to go with William Byron. Now, Rick Hendricks is a much, much smarter dr- owner and a much smarter man than I ever will be. I'll admit that. Um, but I was kind of surprised because, well, Kenseth and Hendrick's stuff would be amazing. Um, so once he lost those rides, I was thinking, well, maybe I'll get to 10, the 41 or the 10. That didn't materialize. And you're right. There are a lot of drivers out there who you look at and you say, if it wasn't for sponsor, they wouldn't be in the rides they're in. And Matt Kenseth probably would have gone to one of those rides had that not been the case. But that's the way it goes in the sports. Frustrating, it stinks, um, and it's sad, but that's the way it goes. And, and it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. I think it, the sport will be, would have been better off with Matt Kenseth in a ride next year. Uh, again, I, I I said earlier in the year, and I keep saying this, if Richard Childress has that third charter in the 27, I would have thrown every amount of money I had, every last dime I had at Matt Kenseth and said, help us out here so we can get our cars better because Richard Childress racing has been off all year. Uh, I think they need to get their cars a little bit better. And I would have paid him any amount of money he wanted to come even for a year or two and just get my cars right. And then he could have, you know, rolled off into the sunset. 
Now, I don't know if that option was there for him or not, but I would have done it if I was Richard Childress. That's how much I think Matt Kenseth's skill. Um, what do you think his legacy is going to be here, John? I mean, listen, listen, this guy was a guy from – I remember when he got into Bill Elliott's car in 1998. I was a Bill Elliott fan. I didn't know who, who the heck he was. I was nine years old. And when he drove that race at Dover and finished in the in the eighth spot there, that was an amazing run he had. And everybody kind of, that kind of put Matt Kenseth on everybody's radar going, whoa. He can go out there and even a one-off deal in Bill Elliott's 94 car and finish in the top ten at a very difficult racetrack like Dover. That's an impressive run. You know, led to his racing at Roush. Everybody remembers another DeWalt team with Roush, winning the championship. Uh, he did a great job there. And you talked about it. You know, Roush, at the end of his Roush tenure, the cars weren't nearly as good as they were, but he still won multiple races there each year he was there. Uh, the last two years he was there. Then moved to Joe Gibbs Racing and really performed great uh, and really had a great second ha- second stage of his career at Joe Gibbs Racing. But what do you think his legacy is going to be there, John, in this sport? Um, and do you think that the incident with Joey Logano puts a little black eye or puts a little dent in his legacy? What are your thoughts? I don't think so. Um, I think there were many fans. There were probably more fans in the stands cheering Matt Kenseth for taking out Joey Logano at Martinsville because of the way he was take the way his uh, race at Kansas went that year. Uh, I think Matt Kenseth's legacy is going to be uh, once he's basically the Mark Martin of this generation, except he won a championship. Um, if you look, the championship format we have, the reason there became a chase, the reason there became the playoffs and all that stuff was because Matt Kenseth was Mr. Consistency in that 17 car. He won one race all year, but I watched, I was at Rockingham the year he clinched the title and on the first lap, they put the NASCAR Winston cup champion on his pit box because he won it by starting the race at Rockingham. And that'd be like somebody winning the race, starting at Phoenix this week. He was that good that year. Uh, I think Matt Kenseth will go down as a good wheel man, a good chassis man, somebody who could make a team better. And you can't really ask for much more. He came up the same year as Dale Jr. with less fanfare, and he won the Rookie of the Year. I mean, he beat Jr. for the Rookie of the Year. He wasn't as popular as Jr. because he didn't have the Earnhardt name, but Matt Kenseth had a much better career than Dale Earnhardt Jr. And if you're, everybody's already saying Jr.'s going to be a Hall of Famer, Matt Kenseth's a Hall of Famer long before Dale Jr. is. No doubt. And I... I agree wholeheartedly and I think the thing that makes you made me at least um appreciate Matt Kenseth a little bit more was when he got to Joe Gibbs Racing and these people were like wow you know he could really break down a uh a setup he really knows the setup of these race cars and you know when you heard like you mentioned you know you heard Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch come out and say listen we're really going to miss him he's great for us uh I think that is when when you have those people in the sport, highly regarded people, highly talented people, who say that about you and say, he's great, he is great, I think that is that speaks volumes. I think that does more for you than any of the wins you have, than any of the championships 
when your peers look at you and the people you work with and race against every week say he's one of the best there is, that is a something that nobody can take away from you, and that is something that is uh, more important than stats, more important than anything. And so I think that made me, you know, it, he was good at Roush, but I don't think I appreciated Matt Kenneth until he got to Joe Gibbs Racing just because of the fact that he could do it with both te- both teams, and he had Joe Gibbs Racing personnel saying, we haven't really seen a driver like this before. Uh, and, I, and maybe it was because they came from, it came from Magana, who's a little bit different driver than Matt Kenseth. But I think that spoke volumes. And these last two races, I'd like to see him go out there and, and win one of them and just prove to people that he can still do it because there's no doubt in my mind he can still do it. Um, but a win would go a long way. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it, it's the people in the sport when they talk about you, like Cobbush and Denny Hamlin, when he, they, they announced he was leaving Joe Gibbs Racing. I think that uh, is a legacy that I'll always remember about Matt Kenseth. I think when you think about what you said about Matt Kenseth and his team saying about they've never had a driver like that, when Matt Kenseth got into that 20 car, most of the team were still the same people who worked on Tony Stewart's car. Tony just had a way of driving. He didn't, I mean, Tony Stewart did not understand chassis setup that well. He knew what he felt in his pants, and Zippy understand what Stewart felt. And they didn't have – Stuart wasn't in there saying, okay, we need to make this wedge adjustment or let's build this front end um, – do the front end geometry like this. Kenseth understood the car. And I think if you look at it, Matt Kenseth is a lot like Mark Martin where he was consistent. He didn't tear up a lot of equipment, but he also had some Rusty Wallace in him where he understood the nuts and bolts that made the car go. And I think – Matt Kenseth is a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, and I still think NASCAR is – there's a lot of car owners in NASCAR who are growing up by not putting Matt Kenseth in a car. No, I agree. I think he belongs in the sport still. Um, again, he's very competitive, and I think it would be better off for the competition in this sport to have a talent like Matt Kenseth out there compared to some of the people – that are going to be out there next year in high-profile rides for sure. And I feel I feel We're bad gonna... for whoever is riding, who's uh, running late models in Wisconsin next year because Matt Kansas is going to blow some doors off some people. <laughs> if he wants to do that, and you never know. I mean, you know, it's an interesting way these guys word word these not retirement, but the way they're stepping away from the sport. Where if somebody gets hurt or they need a replacement next year. You know, Matt Kenseth is going to be the first guy they call. And when you think about that and you get a talent like that in your race car, wow, it'll be interesting to see. So keep that in mind next year as the season goes along um, for sure. NASCAR Camp Xfinity, uh, we have a phone call here. John, uh, Lee in Virginia is calling us tonight. Hello, Lee. What do you want to talk about tonight? I'll I'll chime in on the Matt Kenseth deal. Please, Lee, go ahead. Matt Kenseth. And I'll, and I'll also talk about the race today. Um, I think Ford is very, very pleased with Kevin Harvick and, and how, you know, I'm sure they're thrilled to death that they're definitely going to get a, um, a Ford in the championship weekend. I'm still of the belief that they will get three Toyotas in the final round there. I think Denny Hamlin will figure out a way to get in at Phoenix this weekend, um, whether it's through a win or whatever. I know Brad's still pretty good in points, but I think he'll figure it out. But you guys are talking about Matt Kenseth, and he 
He did an interview with Claire B. Lang this morning, and they played it on the pre-race show. And she said afterwards, he sounded very dejected about it. And he seems very upset. He's very frustrated at this point. And I think Matt Kenseth knows he's good. He knows he's as good as all, as we all know he is. And I think he was waiting and think he expected. I think he thought somebody would move somebody out of a ride or something would find him that was competitive. And I think at this stage in, in the sport, we all kind of saw this coming where nothing's really happening for Matt Kenseth. And he's had, you know, he's a tremendous driver. He's been great for a long time. And um, at this stage, I don't know, I think his age is playing a little bit of a factor in it, but um, it's the fact that these drivers are, you know, a driver like him is commanding a lot of money and these kids are going to come in and run for less. And I think that's what ultimately, you know, made the deal there with Byron as well as Liberty University backing William Byron. I think that helped them a lot with bringing more sponsorship where, a sponsor may not want to sign on with a 45, 46-year-old driver in Matt Kenseth next season, even though he can drive you to victory lane. Um, and I think that's just the state of our sport right now. But when when Hendrick didn't come calling and, William, and Alex Bowman got the 88, I kind of saw this and said, ooh, I don't know if he's going to go to the 5 or not. And then I was hearing rumblings that he was going to go to the 41. And, you know, I think Matt's looking at it and saying, hey, uh, I would love to be back, but I'm kind of dejected about where the sport is right now. And he said he's going to take a couple months off and reevaluate things. But um, if I'm him, I just I would I would just wait for something really good. Because like you said, you don't want to ride into the sunset, you know, like Daryl Waltrip did at the end of his career. Yeah, without a doubt, Lee, I think you, you're right on the money with it. And um, I think he, when you heard um, Nate Ryan talk about it yesterday, before the Xfinity race, he said whenever he talked to him for the NASCAR and NBC podcast that Kansas was kind of hoping that the, whenever the five car opened up, when Casey Kane um, was announced that he was not going into the five car, that he was sort of expecting that ride to possibly fall into his lap. And that's the one that didn't. And, I mean, to be honest with you, I still think – Matt Kenseth in the 10 car is going to be better for Stuart Haas racing than Eric Almirola with Smithfield. I mean, Gene Haas has put a lot of money in those cars because sponsorship's been tough the past year. And I'm telling you, I'd rather have Matt Kenseth in a Haas automation Chevy. I mean, a Haas automation Ford running for Stuart Haas racing than I would have Eric Almirola driving the number 10 Smithfield Ford because you're going to make, you're going to get a heck of a lot more TV time. You're going to make a heck of a lot more uh, money from the track. You're going to make a heck of a lot more where you have the, you have a competitive car and they find ways to get sponsorship on competitive cars. And I still think that's the move that I was kind of surprised about because Tony and Matt have had their issues, but Tony and Matt have gotten along well over the last few years. And I think I thought that's where Kenseth could have landed, but he didn't. And it's like I said, it's a shame that it's going to be that way, Lee. Yeah, and I think too, you know, another one. What you're saying is, you know, sponsorship. As much as Gene Haas has a ton of money, and he does, um, so does Barney Visser and, and the Furniture Row Group there. But Barney got tired of footing the bill, and I think Gene is going to get to that point as well, where, you know, it's fun to do this, but you know, dumping $20 million in each year is not going to really get you anywhere. And so 
as much as Matt Kenseth will help your organization, you do need to get to a point where you're bringing money in. And listen, John, the only reason why that fourth car was there to begin with was because Danica Patrick was in it, and that wasn't to make your organization better. That was to make your organization money. So, uh, you know, they, they right now they have two cars that aren't fully funded in the 14 and the 41, and they have Danica's team, which is not fully funded, so they needed to replace her and bring in something, and I understand the Amarola move in that sense, and the 77 could have could have ran Matt all year long as well, but, uh, you know, Barney Vister's tired of footing the bill, and so that's what, what we're at right now, and, and you really need a ton of money to come and do this, and you need some backers to come do it, and Matt Kenseth isn't bringing those to the table, unfortunately. You know, DeWalt... I think is is staying loyal to JGR next year and bring and going to bring Eric Jones and a couple of sponsors are going to go with Eric Jones, but um, it's unfortunate that he and Gibbs couldn't get a deal done because I think Gibbs next year uh, may may take a little bit of a hit because Jones is good, but Jones is still young. Suarez has kind of been average so far this year, and they really I think that team's really missing Carl Edwards. I understand Kyle's been good, but he's been the real strong outlier at JGR this year. Hamlin's been decent, but, uh, you know, the other three cars there, the other two cars other than Hamlin and Kyle haven't been that great. And we'll see exactly, uh, you know, where the where the 20 is next year. Well, listen, I, I agree, and I think Eric Jones, I talked about it on the show last week, you know, Eric Jones is going to be a superstar. There's no doubt about that, but he's had a really, I think, a little bit of a disappointing rookie year. I know he's a rookie, and you look at it and you say, well, you know, did you expect to make the chase? With 16 cars, yeah, it kind of did. And especially with how dominant his teammates been. Um, and he didn't make the chase. And then you look at what he, what's happened to him. He's, had, he's been in a few wrecks this year. I remember one at Charlotte. He, he went into the grass. And then at Kansas, you know, he spun out by himself and crashed there. So he's made a lot of mistakes this year. Now, again, I think he's going to be a great driver. But for the near future, yeah, I think it's going to be a – a little bit of a of a hit for Joe Gibbs Racing, but listen. At the end of the day, it, you guys hit the nail on the head. It comes down to money, and it comes down to we. Unfortunately, in this sport right now, we have an issue where these owners are putting out way more money than what they're, they're bringing in, as far as sponsorship is concerned, and that means you have to go and get these drivers who have a lot of money behind them to help to make a profit. So. At the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to, and that's frustrating for sure. Um, I want to touch on a couple of things here, guys, too, on the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the Truck Series side of things uh, because they're wrapping up their seasons here as well. There's only two races left in each of their seasons as well. Um, as far as the Xfinity Series, you know, Eric Jones was your winner last night. Finishing second was Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Elliot Sadler, Cole Custer, Chris Rebell, Brennan Poole, Matt Sift, William Byron, and Austin Dillon your top 10 in the Xfinity Series. Uh, when you look at the, the point standings right now, Elliot Sadler leads, then it's William Byron, then it's Justin Allgaier, Brennan Poole, five points over Matt Siff, then it's Cole Custer, Daniel Hemrick, and Ryan Reed. Uh, we'll go to John first. I'll get John's opinion before we go to Lee. Who do you think advances in the homestead here, John? I think the top three, no doubt about it, Sadler, Byron, and Allgaier. Uh, who else you got? Um there's still part of me that wishes it'd be Cole Custer just because I don't want to see another Joe Gibbs racing car in there. Cause I don't think Matt Tift is top five, top four material. Um, but I mean, in reality, it's going to be one of the junior motorsports cars that wins this thing. 
Joe Gibbs Racing has the dominant Toyotas. I mean, they've run great all year. They've probably won more races than everybody combined. Um, I like Blaney, the way he runs in the um, 22 car. But you look at the 22 car, it's all Blaney, um, Logano, Keselowski, and every now and then um, Sam Hornish will fill in. But, I mean, they're all running with all-star cars instead of people running the Xfinity Series. To be honest with you, the Xfinity Series, I just want it to be over because there's nobody really there that excites me. I'd like to see Allgaier win it of the four of the four that possibly could be there, and that's where I see that. But I mean, in reality, I don't really give much of a uh, I don't really give much of a care when it comes to the Xfinity Series right now. It's just boring, and there's nobody really there that turns the needle. I agree with that as, as far as uh, moving the needle for sure. Maybe Byron because he's a young kid, but other than that, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Lee, who do you got advancing? I, I, again, I think it's the three junior motorsports cars. They've been out on their own island all year, very competitive all year. Uh, who else do you have? Oh, I think Matt Tift is going to advance. Um, you know, I think Ryan Reed eliminated himself with another future run this weekend. I'm surprised he's made it as far as he did. But, uh, you know, as, uh, I could I could advance to the final round in a Joe Gibbs racing car. That's how far and above they are in their equipment. And I think – you know, Matt Tiff's a better driver than I am. I don't think by that much, but he is. <laughs> so uh, he will. I think he'll make it through just because he's got the equipment to do it, and he had a really nice weekend at Texas. So I could see him making it through just because it's JGR stuff. An interesting thing that happened last night. And I agree with you guys there. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch see who gets in at Phoenix. But uh, you know, as far as the Xfinity Series goes, you know, I. I'd like to see him win his championship, but next year I think it's going to be a little bit more interesting. But a little bit of an interesting uh, tidbit with last night's race I want to bring up was, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Kyle Larson situation, where Larson went down pit road when pit road was closed, drove down pit road and did not pit his race car, and NASCAR said that was okay and there was no penalty necessary for that. Well, they came out this afternoon and said that they called that wrong and said that he should have been penalized for driving on pit road while it was closed. Um, I thought so. You know, I never heard of a rule that if you didn't service your race car, you were okay. But I found that interesting, you know. And and to me, I'm sorry. And I don't mean to, to harp on it, and you're going to say, well, it's a little tiny detail. Oh, well. If that happens at Homestead, and somebody goes down there, and they make a mistake ruling a race like that, and it costs somebody a championship, that's bad. They've got to be up on the ball here They've got to figure it out, and they've got to get their, their act together. I don't care if it was an Xfinity Series race or not. Uh, I thought that was a bad mistake by NASCAR yesterday. Have at it, Lee. Well, I'll tell you, I heard Kyle Larson say in a post-race press conference last night and today with Claire B. Lang on the, on the Series XM NASCAR radio pre-race show that, quote, it didn't matter either way. How the hell does he know? I mean, that drives me crazy. You know, he's just another – the attitude – he did it earlier in the year as well when he wrecked somebody in the Xfinity race. The attitude of these cup guys in this Xfinity series who were like, ah, you know, it doesn't matter. How do you know? You're affecting somebody's playoff there, whether it's a, a point or, you know, a position or what. You're screwing somebody else's playoff there. And you know what? To me, it's like, well, it does matter, Kyle Larson. In NASCAR, it does matter. 
You've got to get this stuff right. It's not like this is your very first time doing this. It's not like this is a brand new rule. You know, Jeff Burton and Steve Latart went through and said, no, Kyle Larson's going to have to start in the back, and da-da-da-da-da. And then when he didn't, they were kind of like, oh, well, I guess the rule has changed. And then NASCAR came out and said, no, the rule hasn't. So, I mean, this has been a rule for a long time. And these guys know what the rules are. And I was confused. I'd never seen it before in my life, but I go, you know what? They change rules daily now. So mm-hmm. I wasn't like completely like, oh, well, that's not the rule because at this point I'm just like, what the hell is the rule? But they clearly got it wrong, and they just cannot continue to get this stuff incorrect, because, especially a rule like that that is black and white. You can't come down pit road when it's closed, period. Hey, Lee, yep. before uh, we run out of time, I want to ask you your thoughts <clears throat> about Harvick being able to pass Truex and pull away from him. What's that do for him, his confidence going to Homestead? I think he went from a guy who we thought could make the Final Four to a legitimate contender. Uh, the 78 car, they said, uh, you know, Cole Pern had said, we had a car set out for Kansas that we were pretty happy with. And when we saw where we were in points, we decided, you know what? We're going to take, after a win they had, we're going to take our car, we're going to put it to the side, and we're going to save that good piece we have for Texas. So to me, Furniture Row Racing brought their best piece to Texas. And that was their chance to go, hey, you know, we've dominated the intermediates, and we knew we were going to struggle at Martinsville. Even though they finished second, they thought they were going to struggle at Martinsville. They looked at Texas, and they said, you know what, that's our chance to do it. Let's bring our best piece. And Kevin Harvick went out there and beat them with their best piece. Now, to me, John, I'm still kind of skeptical on this. I'm a black helicopter guy. Call me what you want. If Wednesday this this win is still on the books and it's still good, I will give Kevin Harvick and them a lot of credit. But right now I'm sitting here going, boy, uh, you know, the Fords had speed. and You know, they've been getting increasingly better, but I hope that car passes in- inspection when it gets broken down at the NASCAR R&D Center this week. Yeah, the black helicopters are out there. Absolutely. Especially since he, he tore it down so badly in uh, during the burnouts and tore the fenders off the car. Who knows? Uh, and that's just stuff, again, it drives me crazy. For, you know, and that, that's where I think uh, you need to look at it and you need to go, well, what are we doing here uh, as far as Homestead is concerned? Lee, I want to thank you so much for joining the show tonight. You were great, uh, and your opinion is always awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I was in Virginia. Uh, listen, John, ultimately, I think when you look at tonight's race and, and everything in the Cup Series, uh, I think Lee hit the nail on the head when he said Harvick went from a guy who you thought could make the Final Four to being a championship contender. Uh, and that's something that is very, very impressive as far as that's concerned. And I think when you listen to Martin Truex Jr. in the post-race interview, you heard some concern because I think they knew we had we are the team that is to beat here on the mile and a half program, and they just beat us. Oh boy, if we don't win this championship! So I think there was a little bit of concern there, no doubt about it. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, like Lee said, they saved their best piece for Texas because they wanted to make sure they got the homestead, and they got beat with their best piece. And Harvick has said all along they found something, and you saw how good Kurt Busch ran, uh, you saw how good Harvick ran. And the fact that they were able to, he was able to pass them and pull away like he did. Uh, I hope like heck Lee's right. And the black helicopters don't come. And if Harvick passes inspection, uh, which I mean, I, I haven't seen Harvick fail at inspection yet. Roddy Childers is great at staying inside the gray areas. 
So I, it be it does make him a real big contender when it comes to Homestead. And we'll be back here Wednesday, everybody, on Talking in Circles. We'll see you then. Good night, everybody.